the best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Now we cross over to Diabetes Anew with Mr. Andrew Danu and his guest. Mr. Danu is the president of the Trinidad and Tobago Diabetes Association. And let's find out what topic he has to discuss with you today. Hi, Tosca. Good afternoon and welcome to all of our listeners and our viewers. We are also live on our Facebook page of the Diabetes Association. Um, and as usual on Diabetes, a new one every, every Thursday, we invite your comments and your questions. We'll be taking those soon within the hour. Um, we have a very exciting topic today and it's been very much requested over the last few weeks. Um, we're going to be talking about diabetes and your genetics, so your genes, your family history. And, but of course, before I get into it and before I introduce our very special guest, I just want to re remind our listeners and our viewers about the activities we have at the association. So we are continuing our diabetic eye screening program, and this is going to happen across the country. Um, I believe next week we are in Faisabad, and we're going to be going up to Barataria again. So if you have not had your eyes screened as yet, if you're living with diabetes, and one announcement I want, I want to make with the Trinidad Eye Hospital, we are now opening up the diabetic eye screening program to people who are not diagnosed with diabetes. So if you've never had a diabetes diagnosis before, you can still access this dilated eye exam. So those who are listening, if you haven't had that eye screening exam last year, and you want to start the year off right, then give us a call at the association and make your appointment. Of course, <clears throat> we, we're coming up to our Easter holidays and we're going to be having our two camps, our camp for children living with diabetes and of course our camp for children who are overweight or obese and children who are at risk for diabetes. So look out for that as well. And we're also going to be launching our National Diabetes Primary School Quiz. So if you have a child in Standard 3, this is their opportunity to participate, to learn more about diabetes, and of course, win some very, very exciting prizes. So we do have a lot more going on in the association, but I don't want to take too much more time because we do have our guest here, and I want to get into the conversation. So as I started off, I would have mentioned genetics and diabetes or family history and diabetes. And Often when we speak about risk factors or the reasons why you, you develop diabetes, we talk about modifiable and non-modifiable risk factors. So things that you could change and things that you really can't change. And one of the, the, the things that we know that we know you, you can't change is the family that you're born into, which puts you automatically at risk for, for certain diseases, which include diabetes. And this, of course, has been a topic that we've been asked so many times on the program so today we're going to be discussing this and we're going to have uh, uh, an expert in the field, I would say the expert in the field of that, in, 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 in this topic, um, and we're going to be discussing this. So we do have uh, Dr. Regini Haraksing, and Dr. Haraksing is a lecturer in biotechnology at the University of the West Indies. She's a human geneticist. But I want to welcome Dr. Haraksing to the program. Very, very special guest. I'm very happy that you took the time on Dr. Haraksing to be here today. Um, welcome to Diabetes and Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Danu. And uh, I'm really <laughs> excited to, to call you that on a public forum. Um, yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. And I, I want us to get into introducing, I, I want you to introduce yourself, Dr. Haraksi. I purposefully didn't 
do a long introduction because I wanted you to tell persons about yourself, about who is Dr. Haraksing and what is your background in biotechnology and, and where did you did you get this interest from? Okay. Um, so I, you know, I was really um, a very curious person and, um, and one of the things I'm very curious about was life. I was somebody who always had to ask why, why, why? And um, now that I have a three-year-old son, I understand how um, annoying that must have been <laughs> for others, but um, constantly asking why. But when we start thinking about life and we ask questions, why, why are we the way we are and so on, it really boils down to understanding what is in our genome. And so that is what really, that, that thinking is what really propelled me into this field. Um, I studied molecular biology and math at MIT as an undergraduate. And then as I, it was a very exciting time to do that because um, this was at the start of when the Human Genome Project had just come out. And the human genome was something that is super um, relevant to all of us because it is the code book that dictates who we become. And the Human Genome Project really was a very um, monumental task. And for the first time, we were able to read um, all of the instruction booklet of what makes us human. But that was really just defining what one human can look like. So subsequent to that, we had to ask the question of, well, what do different human genomes from different people look like? And how does that play into differences that we see um, in our traits? And so that was around, that was sort of the atmosphere of what was going on in molecular biology at the time when I started my PhD. Um, I went on to study my PhD studying human genome variation. I worked um, on a number of technologies that allows us to map variation in the human genome. I worked on an, uh, an important global project called the 1000 Genomes Project, which helped us to study genomes of people across the globe. Um, and um, I did this work both at Yale and Stanford. And then I, um, subsequent to that, it became very clear to me that the way that we're going to understand what all the information in the human genome is, is by studying diverse human populations. And we are at a point in time where um, there's so much to be gained from biotechnology, new biotechnologies. Um, and I really think it's important that our people, our region has access to these technologies and we really need to be studying our population. So that's why um, I came back home and since then I've been trying to, at UV, establish um, a research focus in human genetics. And we've been very interested in diabetes. Um, the diabetes part of the question came about because like everybody else, uh, my family <laughs> has a lot of diabetes. I'm from a very large family. Um, and diabetes has been a concern for many generations. Um, and, you know, it's clear that something is being passed on, right? There's something that's yeah. being inherited. And so we need to kind of investigate it. So that is, that's really where my interest um, came, came from. Yeah, a very, very, um, very active and very successful career, Dr. Harak Singh. And of course, I, I, and it is the, the, the same for me. I mean, in my family as well, uh, lots of other families in Trinidad and Tobago, I would say 95% of people in Trinidad and Tobago may have some 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 history of diabetes or some other uh, non-communicable disease in their family. Yeah. So yeah. So this is really why the question always comes up: like, what is the reason? Why why is it so prevalent? Why why is it 
that if it is that my family has or had had this disease, why is it that I'm so much more at risk? And this is why we yeah. we study of uh, yeah. So so yeah. I, I want us to I want us to really delve into that topic today as as and our viewers that you could you could join in in the conversation as well. We'll soon open up the phone lines. But if you do have a question and, and you're on Facebook, you have a question, you can leave your question in the comments below and we'll try to address it. But I want to go into some of the basics, Dr. Haraxin, because I want our listeners to, to understand a little bit more about um, when you say a, a gene, what is a gene? How does a gene play a role in shaping um, if you're de predis predisposed to developing a disease or a condition like diabetes? What does this gene okay. do? Sure. All right. So in every one of our cells, we have something called our genome. Our genome is all of the DNA that is in our cells. And the DNA is actually the instruction booklet. It's um, a very interesting molecule. It's a linear molecule that has a specific sequence of, um, of letters, if you will. And if you were to read it as a book, it's 3 billion letters long times two. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a lot of information that's in there. Within this genome, individual elements of the genome are called genes and single genes um, determine what specific proteins our body produces. So the genome is, is the instruction booklet. And then it's, it's the most fundamental set of information that we can have about ourselves. It's, it's our most unique identifier. And our genome can tell us a lot of things about our history, our ancestry, a lot of things about our health. And it can also tell us about how um, our body interacts with um, the environment and things that we put in and on our bodies, like, like medications that we might take. Um, so that's, in, you know, in very simple terms, what a, a genome and a gene, a gene is. And um, there are many diseases that are caused at the genetic level by mutations or aberrations in our genes and our genome. So many people might be familiar with something like sickle cell disease. Sickle cell disease is a relatively well understood disease genetically. Um, it's caused by a single mutation and almost everybody that has this disease has the same mutation that's causing mm -hmm. this disease. Um, there are a whole host of what we call non-communicable diseases or complex human diseases. And this of course incorporates diabetes, cancer, and cardiovascular disease, which are actually very different than this very simple example of sickle cell that I gave you. These diseases are multifactorial. They're caused by genetic elements as well as by environmental elements and lifestyle elements. And so um, our genes do play a role, but they play a role in that um, it's not so straightforward that if you have this mutation, you're definitely going to get this disease. Um, there are there are some diseases like that, like sickle cell. Um, there's another one called Huntington's disease. We've recently done a study on a Trinidadian family that's had this. And you know anybody with that mutation is definitely going to show symptoms of that disease. That's a very different situation than what we see with diabetes. The majority of diabetes cases that we see um, you're, you might have many different genetic mutations that slightly increase your risk of developing the disease, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you will get the disease. Um, and, you know, this has some implication as to how you manage your health over your life set, over your lifetime. Mm -hmm. and, and so, 
Sorry for that. Yeah. So, Doctor Doctor Haraksing, um, you mentioned these genes, but 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 one of the things that we often want and is that study in Trinidad and Tobago is often mis not represented, but 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 underrepresented in that most research into genetic mutations into diabetes is, is in a Caucasian population. I mean, around yeah. the world. So so. How important is it for us to really study what's going on in Trinidad and Tobago? Okay, so that's a great question. Um, so what we know, well, let me let me give a little bit of background here. So as viewers may have heard, there are a few different types of diabetes. Um, you may have heard it classified as type 1, type 2. There's a type of diabetes that's quite rare called monogenic diabetes. And this falls into that more simple category where single mutations uh, causing the disease, right? But type 1 and type 2 diabetes are much more complex and they're due to numerous different factors. Um, there, there have been several very large um, studies around the world that have been trying to elucidate what is the genetic underlying um, genetics underlying diabetes and especially type 2 diabetes because that is a very, very common um, diagnosis nowadays. And these studies have found around 400, we now know about 400 different genetic elements in our genome that can contribute to, to causing diabetes. And mm -hmm. the interesting thing is that most of these studies have been, as you said, carried out in very large Caucasian populations. One of the latest ones um, is in the UK. It was carried out on something close to a million people, right? Um, all Caucasian, and there's other studies like in the U.S. There's something called the All of Us study, which um, is aiming to study diverse populations around the U.S., diverse ethnic populations around the U.S. There, are, of course, other global studies as well, um, and there have been numerous efforts um, to put, to include Caribbean populations. So, for example, there's been a study called the Eastern Caribbean Health Outcomes Research Study. Um, and in fact, for people who are interested in hearing about um, what has happened there, Professor Rohan Maharaj um, is giving a professorial inaugural lecture at UE next week, Thursday, talking about um, some of the research outcomes from these big studies. But mm -hmm. um, we actually, um, what we've learned and what we've learned from just studying human variation, which is where my research began, just studying human variation and the underlying genetics behind that is that different populations around the world that have been geographically isolated for millennia. Now we have, now we see globalization. We see a lot of mixing between ethnic groups. But um, previous to that, we've had a lot of geographically isolated populations around the world, and we see that there is quite a lot of variation in their genome, which mm -hmm. actually drives the variation that we see out outwardly, right? And this means that we have, um, in fact. Some, we have a situation where what is causing a disease on a physiological, gross physiological level in one, in one person of one ethnicity may not be the same root cause in somebody else, but on the, out, on the outside, they might look the same. So let me give you an analogy of, um, let's say your car is not starting, right? We understand our car is a very mm -hmm. complex um complex sophisticated machine with lots of different parts that will have to work together in order for it to run. Now, in one person, it might be that the battery is dead, 
right? And that's why the car is not starting. And another person, it might be that there's no oil and that's why the car is not starting. And a third car, it might be that the battery is dying and the oil is really, really low. And both of those are contributing a little bit to the car not starting. And maybe the car starts sometimes, but not all the time. So it's not quite the full full extent of how bad it can be. And that really is what we what we are seeing genetically, that in some, some populations, um, certain mutations are more um, dominant in driving a particular disease than in others. And so because of that, we really have to study what is going on in our population. Um, I can give you some, some examples from the data where we've seen that in, in some populations, you know, um, what has been discovered is not necessarily translatable to other populations. And we have to be very careful about that, especially when it comes to people's health and in terms of when it comes to, um, you know, thinking about how we diagnose disease and how we treat disease, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, you want to make sure that what you're doing is accurate. And that's that's so important. I hit the only head there, I would say, because the treatments that are meted out to persons with diabetes in Trinidad and Tobago, I think, are universal no matter the type of diabetes that you have. And yeah. we've seen, uh, and we've seen, I mean, across the world where identifying specific monogenic forms of diabetes, for example, and we discussed that further, has allowed better treatment options, better interventions into these persons' lives. So I yeah. want us to. I want us to talk this some is, more about this that. Is the, um, yeah, this is the field of precision medicine uh, or personalized medicine. And that is that instead of um, the, the model where everybody with a disease is treated the same, instead, we try to understand what is the individual root cause in each person with the disease and treat them according to what is wrong with them. Um, now, medicine has always been doing this. But we are at a point in time where we have access to technology that allows us to investigate all of the molecules of life that make up our very complex, sophisticated um, cells, right? And so we can now do this at a much more refined level than before. And we can study our health really by studying the molecules in our body, which is our DNA and our proteins. And so we are now at a point where we can do this and we can even design by understanding the root cause of disease in different people, we can actually design treatments and therapies that address the root cause in each individual, as opposed to a one-size-fits-all kind of approach. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that, that that is true for Trinidad and Tobago very soon. <laughs> we can move towards that, that approach. But let's take a short break, uh, Dr. Haraksing. And we are here on Diabetes and You on Freedom 106.5. We are speaking with Dr. Regini Haraksing, um, who is a human geneticist and lecturer in biotechnology at the University of the West Indies. We're talking about diabetes and your genetics today, diabetes and your genes, diabetes and your family history. Uh, we'll take a short break. When we get back, we'll open up the phone lines. I want to hear from you all. You could also leave your questions uh, for Dr. Haraksing in the comments in our Facebook or give us a call, send us a message. and. So let's take a break base. When we get back, you can share our contact information and we'll take some questions. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. We return 
for diabetes and you with Andrew Danu and his very special guest. Thanks, Beast. And just tell me if we are having a, if we are getting a phone call. Mm -hmm. I would be happy to take your call. So again, we're here um, on diabetes and you. We're chatting with Dr. Regini Haraksing, uh, human geneticist, uh, a lecturer in biotechnology at the University of the West Indies. Um, and we've been chatting for the last half an hour or so about um, your genetics and how your genetics or your family history is going to play a role in or can play a role in, in, in determining if you are developing diabetes or not. And we've been chatting a little bit about uh, the need for increased research in Trinidad and Tobago within our population because, of course, a lot of the work has been done on, 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 on Caucasian or white population. And we chatted about precision medicine where, you know, targeted interventions or targeted treatments should be meted out to persons based on the type of disease that they have. Now, we do have a couple of questions I just want to ask Dr. Raxon before we, I go into my question. I have a question from our Facebook page from Savitri Ram Singh, and she's just asking, is diabetes reversible? Now, in the context of genetics, I want, I want to turn that over to Dr. Raxing, meaning that does it mean if, if I have a gene, whether it is a gene for type 1 or type 2 or, or monogenic, does it mean that I'm going to develop diabetes if I have that gene? So only in a very um, small number of diabetes cases, which are due to monogenic causes that is being caused by a single gene, can we say that if you have these specific mutations, you will definitely get this disease. For the majority of diabetes cases that we see, um, type one and type two cases, um, there are there are several different genes that if you have mutations in those you you will be have an increased risk of developing diabetes. Now you can't change that. That's that's encoded in your DNA. It's hard coded, if you will. Um, but you can change how those genes are expressed. So our, our genome is is not going to change over the course of our lifetime. But our genome dictates which proteins we express in our cells. Um, over the course of our life and it changes according to our needs according to the needs of ourselves so as we go about our daily lives um and we're responding to different stimuli in our environment we are going to be changing how we express these genes and things like and every every interaction you have with the environment so that has to do with how you move your body what you put in your body what you eat what air you breathe you know what stuff you put on your skin all of these things can influence how your genes are expressed and that's a really important and powerful point because um, you actually, it's its not fully determinate, your genome is not fully deterministic. You have a lot of um, room to play with how, how your genes are, are expressed. And so there are definitely actionable things that you can do to prevent yourself from mm -hmm. succumbing to a disease which you may have an increased risk for, thanks, which may have thanks, been born sorry. with an increased risk for. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that response. And, and and I think we do have some more questions, please, mm -hmm. on yes. WhatsApp. We have a question here from a 19-year-old female. Uh, both my mother and father are diabetes. Does this mean I am at risk and how can I do to prevent getting it? So you may very well be at risk. Um, but I want to also point out that we don't um, we don't only inherit our genes from our from our from our families we also inherit our behaviors and so and, and our lifestyles right um and 
you know, as someone who has diabetes running in your family, I think the best thing that you can do for yourself, whether or not you find out um, definitively whether or not you have certain genetic mutations that might allow you to have an increased risk, I think the best thing that you can do for yourself is to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Um, and you can work with your doctor. There are, there are very basic guidelines that, that healthy people can follow. Um, you know, there's, there's actually a lot of research about what it takes to live well, and it has nothing to do with genetics per se, but people have found that, you know, um, getting enough sleep, eating less meat, having, having eating more plants, um, having a, a, a strong social connections, these are some of the things that that really help us to stay healthy and live healthy, right? Managing our weight um, and so on, everything in moderation, as they say. Um, so, as you know, what I can suggest to you um, is that you both um, try to maintain a very healthy lifestyle and also um, keep track of your blood sugar levels, right? Um, because that can also indicate when the disease may be coming on if it ever does. All right, we have another question here coming down from a 68-year-old female. Help, my toes and balls of my feet are numb. Oh, well, I, I don't think if, um, <laughs> I think Dr. Haraxi might be able to answer that question, but... Uh, I'm not I, a medical, I, medical I, doctor, so yeah. I don't want to attempt. <laughs> so, the usual advice we would give base is to, to speak to your physician about it, and if it is that that numbness continues. And I know that that's the question I take it. That's the number one question we get in Trinidad and Tobago with diabetes and foot care. And soon, I just want to say soon, the Diabetes Association is launching our diabetic foot screening program from the Ministry of Health. So look out for that. But in the meantime, if you're having those issues and it's been persisting for a while, please tell your doctor about it. If you go to the health center, tell your doctor about it. If you go to a private doctor, tell them about it. Um, and that's what I would say about that. Right. Another question here is genetic. Interesting topic. I grew up being told if your mother has diabetes, your chances are increased. Can you expand on this? And is genetic screening done in Trinidad? Okay. So, um, so yes, that that, uh, that is true. That if it's, it's running in your family, especially if it's uh, um, your parents, um, your chances of, of inheriting is uh, uh, most likely um, increased. Um, what we are doing, um, and and I can uh, this might be an unsatisfying answer. Um, there's a lot of active investigation into the genetics of diabetes, and we don't know the full answer by far. Um, like I mentioned, there are numerous global studies. We have been actually conducting studies in Trinidad. Um, we have amassed um, a large cohort of several hundred diabetes patients from across the country. Um, diabetes clinics across the country, and we are actively investigating the genomes of these patients. Um, this was a study that we, we received funding from the International Center for Biotechnology um, to, to carry out, and we've, uh, our preliminary findings are that we have found some interesting things. We found within our population, diabetic population circulating, there are definitely known genetic factors that contribute to diabetes. We found those in our population. But we've also found some new and unique things um, which may be contributing to diabetes in our population here, which may not necessarily have been found in, in other studies around the world because they're looking at different populations. And so, you know, there's, there's still a lot of, a lot of uh, investigation to do, um, and I don't want to, you know, 
speak too much about it because um we, we really have a lot more work to do in, in here but um but know that these types of studies are ongoing so yes you, your risk might be increased and, and at the point at this point in time the actionable advice would be to work with your physician to um, ensure that you maintain your healthy lifestyle so that you don't actually develop this disease and and, and before basically the second part of that question of directing testing um, yeah. All of these genes that are here, can we test for them? So we can test for them. Um, now, the, like I mentioned, uh, there's more than 400 different genetic genes that are uh, known to be involved in, in diabetes, um, some of which may or may not be relevant to our population. The way, the most kind of efficient way of testing for them is to sequence our entire genome. Um, we do have such capability in Trinidad now. Um, Professor Christine Carrington, who you've all seen uh, um, in charge of the COVID um, sequencing efforts, has, has been instrumental in, in, in um, creating a sequencing center at, at the University of the West Indies for this type of work. We also have private institutions like St. Augustine Medical Lab is also, um, is also doing genome sequencing. Um, and you know, right now these types of tests are still quite expensive. Um, uh, we, one of the goals of, of our research actually is to figure out what is a minimal set of genes that are relevant in our population that we can design cheap, easy genetic screening for. Um, and we're not there yet. Um, but uh, we hope that our investigation will lead us to that because we really think that that is going to help enable people to help manage their disease better and um, we want to be able to do that in a in a way that is unique to our population i can just to say one more thing um there are for example cancer gene screens um that -hmm. people do right and just to give you one example from our own research um we have a family or we have seen several families um, where it's clear that there's cancer, there's breast cancer in these families, right? It's hereditary in these families. And they have actually accessed, um, both locally and, and abroad, they've accessed standard gene testing panels for breast cancer. And when they, when they do these panels, it comes back entirely negative, meaning that they don't have any known mutations mm-hmm. that cause breast cancer but it's clear that they, they have something genetic going on. And when we look at the entire genome, that's when we're able to find the answer. So it's it, we are seeing examples that in our population, we are finding novel genetic causes of disease that do not exist or have not been discovered in other populations as yet. So there's still a lot of work to be done there. And the only way to find the answer is to do the research. And, and Dr. Harakinan brings me to a question. Do you know of any novel mutations, any novel diabetes mutations in our population in Trinidad and Tobago that may not have been, our, that may not be our only world, but, but are unique to us here? Yeah, so so like I said, they, they, we, are, we are actively <laughs> looking into the data and we do have some leads, yes. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we can't say definitively yes or no as yet. Yeah. Uh, Beast? Oh, that's it for questions for now. Any more? Of course, I'll give question. out the phone numbers. I again. have a question. Yeah. 627-3223, yeah, 625-2257. Yeah. So give us a call or send us a message if you do have another question. Um, I have one more question from Facebook from Sita. And she's just asking again, is it safe to say 
your dietary changes can prevent you from developing diabetes, although you may have the gene. So um, you want to comment on that further, Dr. Raxing? Yes, absolutely. So um, in in the majority of cases of diabetes that we see are type 2 diabetes, which, which develops later in life, right? Has to develop later in life. And so, so that means you can even if you have a genetic predisposition to developing this disease, if you have a genetic risk factor, um, that gives you many years of your life um, to kind of get a head start on it and to manage it before it comes about. Um, and yes, you absolutely can. There are a number of things. Um, I'm sure, Andrew, I'm sure you talk about this on the show all the time, things that you could do. Managing your weight is one of them. Managing your um, blood glucose levels, um, making sure you're not eating sugary things that are constantly spiking your blood sugar levels. Um, you know, um, staying fit, staying, eat, sleeping, eating, and and and, and um, exercising really well. Um, these are all things that are going to help keep you healthy and help you um, help, maybe potentially help prevent the onset of of something because it's not inevitable. Mm -hmm. And I have another question from Sir Ryan. I was actually going to ask you this. Um, she's asking, from your research, how much does race play in a, in how much, how much does race play in the likelihood of getting diabetes? And, and I want to yeah. preface that by saying a long time ago, like the St. James study, um, we used to say in Trinidad and Tobago that persons of Indian descent were more likely to get diabetes while persons of African descent were more likely to get hypertension. Now, we are seeing that isn't totally true, but what, what, what are you finding? What have you found? So, so yes, there, historically, role? there's been some data that has shown that um, Indians, uh, Indo-Trinidadians are, are more likely to develop diabetes. Um, we still see that, and our, our data still reflects that. Um, like I said, we've we've amassed a large cohort from across the country. We didn't we didn't select certain types of people. We took anybody that came through the clinics, and we do see high incidence in um, in people of Indian origin. Um, that said, um, we of course know that we have a lot of um, mixing, right? We have a lot of mixed populations, and sometimes we don't even know um, how much. Uh, how much Indian you have in you, how much African you have in you, right? This is, we, we, we see a lot of that as well. So it's actually not that straightforward to determine, uh, determine that um, genetically you can map your ancestry, um, but then that sort of complicates the analysis a bit more, or, or not complicates it, it's important to do, but it also, um, it adds another level of investigation. So the outcome isn't going to be very, um, like immediate we're not going to find out the answer mm -hmm. immediately but it'll take some time um but yes we do see um we do see uh differences in incidents um among the different ethnic groups that that constitute um our country mm -hmm. i can also give you another example from from um some work that we recently published um this this one is hot off the press but um we also investigated a cardiovascular disease um cohort at Mount Hope. Um, so this is the, the main catchment clinic for everybody um, across the country with these disease. And we've actually found there that um, Indians have a three to four times more likely 
to carry a specific genetic mutation associated with how we um, metabolize a certain drug that is used commonly for mm -hmm. cardiovascular disease than African patients. Um, and actually this brings me to another point that I wanted to make. Our, ge our genetics not only determines whether our risk of developing disease, but it also determines how we um, how we might uh, respond to medication. So we mm -hmm. found that and this is actually very worrying. I just presented this at the National Health Research Conference um, a couple of months ago. We've actually found in this cardiovascular disease population at Mount Hope, um, almost two thirds of the people in that clinic carry genetic mutations that make that make them resistant or are likely to make them resistant to one of the most commonly used drugs um, for their mm -hmm. condition. And that is very worrying. So that's something that mm -hmm. definitely warrants further investigation, and we're actively doing that. This is a, a study in collaboration with Dr. Naveen Sitaran. Um, so we, um, you know, we are definitely finding that, and this is known globally, but um, certainly in our population, we are finding that genetic ancestry um, or race, um, ethnicity, um, really. Um, is is a thing that actually plays a role in what diseases you are prone to and how you might respond to treatments for certain diseases. It's very interesting and of course it's very impactful as well, Dr. Axing. I think if, if it is that we're seeing that so many of these patients are on these medications, medication to, to prevent you from, 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 from debilitating conditions or, or fatality, yeah. and we're saying it's not working, yeah. <laughs> then i mean yeah it's... It, it, it's interesting too because you know in this country we have um we have the, um a universal healthcare system right the government is, is spending on um and and also they're spending on medication right we have a cdap program um and so we really want we really owe it to ourselves to investigate these phenomena and make sure that we are being um as efficient and accurate as we could be in terms of who mm -hmm. we give what medication to. <laughs> and it's not just because you have disease X, you should get this medication. You you might be eligible for that medication, but then we have to say, okay, let's look at your genetics. Let's look a little bit deeper and find out is this medication actually going to work in you specifically? Um, there is also mm -hmm. another ongoing study um, um, from Yui as well. Professor Yuri Clement and, and colleagues are looking specifically at, um, at diabetes uh, patients in this country as well who are um, on metformin and looking to see who have mutations that might cause them to be less um, responsive to metformin, right? As you know, metformin is a very commonly prescribed drug for diabetics across the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very, very impactful. And of course, uh, Professor Clements, one of our scientific advisors at the association. Um, mm -hmm. So, so. And we, we did have them on, on the show a few times already. So very, very impactful <laughs> research, Dr. Haraksing. Um, we we want to take a very short break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up. We have a couple more questions. Uh, but we are here on Diabetes on You. Uh, we're here with Dr. Regine Haraksing, a human geneticist. Um, he won medical geneticist and, of course, a lecturer in biotechnology. We're discussing diabetes and your genes. Uh, 
Let's take a short break. When we get back, we'll get back to some of your questions and we'll wrap up the conversation. Peace. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. All right, folks, of course, we return with your questions. We have about uh, seven more minutes to go, right? So we return with Andrew Daniel and his guest here listening to Diabetes and You. Thanks, Beast. And we are here with Dr. Regina Haraxing, uh, lecturer in biotechnology and human genetics. We are chatting about diabetes and your genes, um, having a very, very interesting conversation. And I want to just say a special good afternoon to all of our listeners and all of our viewers on Facebook. Uh, I want to say hello to Chandra, who's been listening on and sending comments. Thanks, so, thanks very much, Chandra. I have one more question from our Facebook um, viewers. And of course, this was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you, Dr. Axing. Um, this question is from VJ, and he's saying, uh, this is really exciting work. Uh, what can we do as citizens of Trinidad and Tobago to help accelerate local research like this? Thank you. And um, I am glad to talk about this because it's clear that the, that the research needs to happen and can have huge impacts in how we manage our health, right? And these NCDs are a major, major problem for us. So I would say to citizens, you know, what can you do? Well, the first thing is I would love to thank all of the participants, people who have participated in these research studies so far, because it really is your participation that makes it possible for us to make these discoveries, right? Um, the next thing I would say is that I would add to thanking them um, is I would say apologize that it's taking so long for us to actually complete these studies. And I want to say one of the reasons why that's happening is because of a lack of, of I would say, funding and prioritization of research um, in our society um, by the powers that be. Um, much of the research that has to be done is driven by postgraduate students um, in academic institutions, as well as um, post-postgraduate students. These are called postdoctoral people. And um, we don't have a lot of funding to pay these people. So being a scientist and being a researcher in this country, and, and even in this region, is actually um, not really a viable option for some of our best and brightest. And Andrew, you know this firsthand. Mm -hmm. um, while you're doing a PhD, you have to kind of go and do some other random work to make make some make a living on the side right um this by the way is not the case in top tier research mm -hmm. institutions um people are paid fair wages for carrying out research and um that is a huge um a huge reason i think why our research is not accelerated um but what can you do as a citizen i think you can first of all start to um, become curious about participating in research studies and, and volunteer to participate in research studies when you are eligible, um, because it, it, that's the only way we're going to be able to study our population, right? Um, I think you can also um, start to have conversations with your physicians and start to demand, um, you know, access to cutting-edge technologies and cutting edge therapies and cutting edge diagnostics. And when you start, when, when you know, patients start asking for these things, it, it gives more motivation for developing these um, in the country. And then the last thing I think you can do is start to really um, think about ways that you can put pressure on, on um, funding agencies, including the government, to really um, prioritize investigating some of these things. And by that, I mean, literally funding 
some of these studies and funding people, um, funding scientists, um, you know, um, in order funding postgraduate students in order to carry out this type of research. I, I, I mean, I, I think I those mean are some of the things that we can do. I don't mean to cut you all there, but we do have a call on the line. Hello, caller. Uh -huh, good evening. Yes. Um, I think one of the things we have to do is lobby our governments to invest in research and development. Some yeah. countries, they do 2%, 3%, 4% of their budget is invested in research and development. I don't think we prioritize that. And we just need to tell us our own problem. So I think yeah. becoming aware of it and then lobbying for the government to invest is a good way to go. Thank you. Yes, thank you for that. I absolutely agree. I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I would say we've been doing that. Um, for example, we, we, we're still operating on, on prevalence statistics from 2011 for diabetes. So the step survey hasn't been done in, in more than 10 years. So so there's so much more work to be done. Um, mm -hmm. I have one more comment from Facebook. I know we just have a couple more minutes left. Um, further to GPJ's question, Winnell is asking, what is required to take the research findings from out of the lab and into public use? How do we get local hospitals and physicians to use, utilize and implement the findings um, of this amazing work being done? And you have well, less than one minute to, to respond to that, Dr. <laughs> I guess I have to say I don't know because it hasn't happened as yet. But um, I mean, I think, you know, education is the key, right? We have to have continuing medical education because physicians um, need to be abreast of the most re most um, recent technologies and findings. And um, we have to work hand in hand to start to implement these. And we have to also work with policymakers um, and the Ministry of Health with CARFA, et cetera, to start to implement um, some of the findings. So I think, but I think it starts mm -hmm. with educating those who are in a position to interact with um, with the public. Yeah, and I agree. And, and with that, a very enlightening, <laughs> um, exciting conversation today, uh, Dr. Raxi, I want to thank you for taking your time on joining us um, on Diabetes and Human Freedom on us. 6.5 and I want to thank all of our listeners, all of our viewers who would have contributed to the conversation. Uh, Dr. Haraksing will definitely have you on again because I think we need to continue the conversation um, thank you. and talk a little bit more about the impact. But I want to thank you all and again thanks everyone um, listening. Join us again next week Thursday. We'll have another very exciting topic um, and if you do need any of the services of the Diabetes Association, give us a call. Our number is 607-3288, 607-3288, or send us a message on Facebook or Instagram, and you could access any of our services. So have a great day, everyone. Be safe. Um, continue being healthy. If you haven't gotten it as yet, get your flu vaccines. We are advocating for people to get that vaccine. It's really, really bad going around there, especially if they're living with diabetes. So that's it, base. Thanks again for facilitating today, and we'll chat again next week. All right, man, no problem. Thank you very much there, Dr. Andrew Dano. Of course, on his guest, you keep listening to Diabetes and You every Thursday right here on Freedom 106.5 FM between 12 noon to 1 p.m. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new talk radio, Freedom 106.5.